This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all those pesky podcast platforms. Hopefully that's where you're finding us today. Special Labor Day Monday edition of the Brock and Salk Show. And why not? It's the first week of the NFL season. It's a Mariner playoff run in September. And it's the start of the Pac-12 season, college football season. Brock, over the course of this weekend, good morning. How are we doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. What a weekend it was. Yeah. What a weekend. I mean, not necessarily for the hometown nine who couldn't find a way to win a series. We'll get to that. But my gosh, college football was in the limelight. It's the one weekend <clears throat> that they get to be center stage in the dance, and they take advantage of it Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, last night. Uh, tonight with Duke Clemson, I mean, it is college football buffet. And, and then, as you said, it's here comes Thursday night NFL. And all the way along, 26-game sprint here for our Mariners to go find themselves an AL West championship. So are people freaking out? I hope not. I hope there's no freak out after a series loss, even even to the Mets. Not a good team, but with some pretty good players, by the way. Like, yes. Not a good team. Some pretty good players. Hey, Alonzo has over 40 home runs. I know. You know who I could do without is DJ Stewart. Like, what's the deal with that guy? He's like 400 pounds, but he makes diving, running catches in the outfield all day. He's been on fire. What he's is been his deal? Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Well, happy, how, la- happy, Labor, happy Labor Day, by the way. I mean, yes, of course. Yeah, happy yes, Labor Day. start there. Think we get back to DJ Labor Stewart? Day. Like, what's that guy's problem? Yeah. Mariner killer. I mean, I'm in the list for crying out loud. Just Mariner killer. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, I think he's been an everybody killer. I was watching them play the Rangers yep. last week. He was doing the same darn thing to them, making well, these running, is... jumping, sliding, diving catches. He yep. looks like Daniel Vogelback. Like if you were to see him and Vogelback together, uh, it would on. take a uh, moment to remember which uh, one is which, except yes. Vogelback can barely waddle. And Correct. this guy is making run and diving catches all over the freaking field. I've had enough of that guy. Yeah, it's kind of what Jerry said to us on Thursday, that be careful what you wish for here down the stretch, that these teams that are out of it have got players that are trying to prove they are into it and into being big leaguers and making their mark. And then you've got, like, Lindor and the Polar Bear and, like, legit dudes. And, oh, by the way, that that goes forkball on Friday night. pretty good. It's pretty real, it's pretty too. pretty good. All right. So, so, so freaking out? No, I don't think freaking out. You you did the one thing you couldn't do. What do I always say to you, Salk? You go on the road. What can you not do? Get swept. You cannot get swept. Well, you didn't do that. You, no, you, you avoided, did not. You avoided doing that with the uh, offensive uh, outpouring on uh, on Saturday. I thought there were four things that were somewhat concerning this weekend, and then three things that were really, really good news. Kind of run through them quickly. And obviously, the worst of them for me is both your aces got shelled. I like no other way to say it. Both Castillo and Kirby, your twin aces, they both got shelled. Castillo didn't have it. And then Kirby really didn't have it yesterday. It just seemed like everything he threw was getting tanked. Now, I don't know why, right? Maybe he was still feeling the effects of of not feeling great from last mm-hmm. week. Maybe his rhythm was a little off after mm-hmm. some extra rest. He seemed to think that, you know, he just didn't quite have his normal stuff. But I don't know. Both your, both your aces got shelled, and that's probably not something you're looking for. 
That's right. Like, you can lose the Ghost Fork Ball Friday night. You sure wish, looking back now, you could have found a way to, to scratch out a run there and, and to win that game 2-1 instead of lose it 2-1. But then you count on those two guys, and thankfully your offense compensated for Luis. He's had enough games this year, the staff has, where the offense did not in great outings by them. So the offense stepped it up, and yeah, George was just in the plate. And I think that was kind of the, the overall thought of both of those guys, from the skipper and from the pitchers themselves, is they had too many cookies for, for two guys that don't give, usually mm-hmm. in a bat, don't give a cookie in a bat. They gave too many of them, and the Mets went out and ate them. I thought Munoz is still real iffy, and it's funny. I don't, I feel bad kind of getting after Munoz because he just wins reliever of the month, which I will admit surprised me a little bit based on what my eyes have, have shown me. Agreed. Right? I mean, he just he doesn't look like himself. He gives it up on Friday, unfortunately, and that was sort of the game you needed to win. And Scott sort of said after the game exactly what we've been saying here for a few weeks. He made really good pitches to Bogey. He kept just fouling them off, taking them off. Uh, then, he, then he left one up that Bogey at the barrel on. Of course, you know, late in the game, 90 feet is always big. Um, you know, but Mooney's stuff was fine. Um, Got to get the slider command going a little bit better. Yeah, no kidding, right? And, yeah. and he went on to say more about the slider. He made really good pitches to Bogey. He kept just fouling them off, taking no. them off. Uh, yeah, I heard he, that. Left. That's the same one. Anyway, the, the point is in there. He's basically saying that the, the slider has not been as consistent as he needs it to be. And I, I Yeah, think- the other challenge he has as a late-inning guy that I, ha- I don't think we've talked about this much because usually the stuff just is, is so dominant and, and it overcomes it, but he is so slow yes. to the plate that you get a runner on, he is going to be at second or third. Any, you know, with any bench that's got any kind of speed and any kind of base dealer that sits on the bench, which is what you're going to find here down the stretch and certainly, certainly in the playoff baseball as well. Yeah, they get on base. They're going to find a way to take off and honestly yes. get brash as well. I mean, I, I just kind of felt like the pen looked tired this week. And, and I don't know whether that is normal, whether, again, eyes deceive you, but I, I just thought their whole bullpen looked a little bit tired. I think Cade Marlowe is, uh, you know, getting figured out a little bit or maybe mm-hmm. just coming off his hot streak or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. But watching Cade Marlowe right now is making me miss Jared Kelnick. And that's something I think we'll we'll talk through a little bit later today. And then finally, you know, this is a one-off. But Caballero can't get picked off there on Friday. No, That's just a no. non-starter. Nope. You just cannot under any circumstances do that. So, you know, there's three or four things that you look at and say, okay, those are somewhat concerning either for the weekend or maybe moving forward. Thankfully, Brock, they were balanced off, I thought, by some really good pieces of news. Number one, and this is what we were talking about as we were leaving here last week, Julio's healthy. Mm-hmm. He went out and played. Yep, That was the number one thing you wanted to see this weekend on Friday. Would Julio be in the lineup? And he played all three days, had a huge game on Saturday. Mm -hmm. That was enormously important because without that, you're looking at this going, is this going to be a long-term issue that that potentially derails this whole playoff run? Totally agree. So that was incredibly positive news. And, you know, getting him back and getting him. I mean, so there's only 26 to go. It's pretty crazy as the, as the calendar flips uh, from Friday to, to Monday here. And it's now September and it's 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 on in every one of these series and every one of these games in these series are so critical. And to have your superstar available, that was uh, that was better than great news. How about J.P. Crawford as my second one? And just <laughs> 
he's such a stud, man. I mean, like he is just completely taken over all of these big moments. I know he finally struck out yesterday mm-hmm. in a big spot, but what he did on Saturday to win them that game. Well, JP's had an awesome season, and he's a different player now than what we saw maybe over the last couple of years. His ability to drive the ball, looking for certain pitches to drive the ball, not just get on base there, but do damage. Let's hit an extra base hit, and he's been awesome coming up big for us. So, uh, after he took the first swing of the night, they had a pretty good idea of what he was trying to do. It's really hard to walk up there and try to do it and then do it. He did it tonight. He got a pitch to hit, and he didn't miss it. So credit to him. Pretty amazing. I mean, they ended up really needing that run. I saw Kyle Body from uh, from uh, Driveline yes. kind of putting together some of the details. It was too intense. Well, he's very intense, right? I, mean, I try. I try to read like the first sentence or two of he's it. He's very like, intense. He's a very intense that. guy. I like uh-huh. him. He's a very intense guy, and he put together all the details of what they were trying to do with JP Correct. this off season Correct. in terms of what they could do with his swing speed in order yes. to help his power, swing speed to the barrel rate to the power rate to yeah. It kind of makes just, sense. Sure it does. Yes. And it's worked. Uh huh. He's got 14 home runs. He's never had more than eight or nine in a season. I want to bring your numbers guy on that you get preseason every time, whatever his name is. Yeah, I want to get Saborski on to run through those numbers. If we can do that and see if he can run through the driveline numbers with us. We can try to talk to Dan this week if you'd like. That'd be great. All right. I'll reach out to Dan. He's he's usually up for a conversation about what's going on. So uh, Yes. And then the best of news is the people around you also did not take care of business. No, they didn't do anything. Nope. The Yankees uh, took a series down in Houston, which was tremendous, including last night in the Twins took a series down in Texas, so there is no damage done. You still lead this division. You are still a game up. Well, a, a couple in the loss column to those Astros, and now you go to Cincinnati tonight, and the race is on. You enjoy following those other games and waiting to see what happens in all of them? Sure. It's so sure. fun, isn't it? But those sneaky little Blue Jays, man, uh, you know, it's not just the Astros and the Rangers. And they got the Royals and the A's, so they've got their seven games against the Blue Jays nobody's. almost found a way to come back on Saturday, too. I was just watching mm-hmm. that, and I was actually sitting on the bus. I took the bus down to uh, to Bumbershoot. It was oh. the easiest way to get down there. Wow. And I'm just, like, on my phone by myself, just, like, constantly watching. Was that some going. good people watching on the bus to Bumbershoot? Uh, it was actually, it was late, so it was actually oh, okay. pretty quiet on the All bus. Right. There was some smell that wasn't fantastic. But uh-huh. in general... Uh, Better no. people watching the best of Bumbershoot or Justin's dodgeball kickball wedding. Oh, dodgeball, just kickball, Brock. We didn't do any dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, it, I would say Justin's kickball wedding because you know you put together a group of look at me people, threw them all, <laughs> throw them all out on a field together at the same time. Look at me wedding. wedding. I it's mean, an entire look at me wedding. <laughs> Your friend did a dodgeball wedding. I don't know what's more look at me than that. They they didn't do anybody else's wedding, just tweaked slightly. So at least they did their own thing. That's look at me. You might as well put us. That's a confident couple is what it is. You call it whatever you want. It's a happy couple. I think we're saying the same thing. thinkers. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salksdale Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, for just the third time since the All-Star break, the Mariners have dropped a series. It was Detroit right after the break, then Baltimore at home. Now the Mets in Queens. Mariners lose two of the three games over the weekend. This after George Kirby just really didn't have it in the rubber match yesterday. Gave up three runs, lasted only three innings. And it just sort of didn't work out yesterday for the Mariners. Uh, in this series, yeah, we, we have made a few mistakes. And the mistakes didn't end up as singles or doubles. They ended up over the fence. And, you know, they have power. Uh, this ballpark, we don't play here a lot. But when we do, the ball does get out of this park rather easily, much easier than our park. Uh, but that's no excuses. They put the put good wood on it and then made us pay. 
Yeah, they did. Credit the Mets. They played some really good defense, especially yesterday. Stole a couple of runs, but it was not a good offensive day. I, I felt like Mariner hitters yesterday struggled to hit balls in the zone. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning part of this year when they were really struggling, it was balls out of the zone. And you're saying, well, stop chasing, stop chasing. Yesterday, I, I don't know, maybe they're tired. Maybe it was a one-off. I don't know. But just felt like they were swinging and missing at strikes. You have said this a few different times over the last couple weeks. I don't disagree with that, number one. Number two, you've also said from the bullpen to the starters that maybe you're just a little tired. And I saw this tweet from somebody yesterday. Maybe for the first time in 136 games, you are missing Robbie Amarco. Mm. Remember coming into the season, there was still a conversation about protecting George and Logan a little bit. I mean, they are still, believe it or not, young guys. Even though for huge stretches of the season, George has been in that Cy Young conversation, probably falling away from that now. Mm. But the conversation heading in was, can we find a way to, to maybe skip a start? Can we find a way to protect them a little bit? Well, there's no protecting now. There is no margin now. It is those five guys down the stretch of the final 26 games here that are still, this team still goes as the pitching goes. And that pitching's got to pick it up here starting today in Cincinnati. Well, there may be a little bit of help coming eventually, uh, at least on the hitting side of it. Jared Kelnick with a good weekend in Tacoma. He appears to be healthy with no setbacks, which is great. Needs at bats. I don't think he joins them until they make it back home, so probably another week. But good to see him, uh, you know, getting off to a good start there in Texas or uh, in Tacoma. Speaking of Texas, let me give you the playoff update. The Rangers found a way to win yesterday. The struggling uh, Adolis Garcia got a hit in the ninth inning. Big home run, beats the Twins. Toronto got a late hit from Whit Merrifield. They win. Astros swept at home by the Yankees. What a strange season this is. Seriously, Mariners remain a game up on both Texas teams. And then Andres Munoz, as I mentioned, AL reliever of the month. No surprise, Julio is AL player of the month for what they did in August. And now you get a very interesting series. Are you excited about the Cincinnati series? That team can flat out run. They are feisty like the Royals and A's, but with a lot more talent, but still with some major weaknesses. Be interesting. Brian Wu will get the ball tonight. Num- uh, kind of a bummer. No Luis Castillo against his old team. I thought maybe we'd get a chance to see that this week. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, with all that going on, Brock, did you know that the Seahawks play this week? They do. Fairly <laughs> shocking. It's kind of snuck up on us at least a little bit. Seahawks will get out there. Huge week of practice, especially for some of the injured guys who are trying to show they're ready enough to play in game one this weekend. I'm looking at Cam Young. I'm looking at Daryl Taylor. I'm looking at Derek Hall, all of whom have missed time. It doesn't sound like Devin Witherspoon's going to make it back in time, but I guess it's at least a shot and doesn't sound like Jamal Adams will be out there either. It is weird, right? It sneaks up on you. Baseball season is just in full gear. And then the NFL, with with this new kind of scheduling in three preseason games, there's this little bit of a lull. And, oh, by the way, college football comes in and decides to be on center stage uh, amidst them not playing. It takes a bunch of that attention. But, oh, it'll come roaring back. It'll start Thursday night with the defending champs, Kansas City, playing. And you're right. That injury report and who actually finds a way to get on the field and participate on Sunday will probably be the big storyline we're watching at least early this week. Here's the third thing you need to know. Huskies absolutely dominant. Michael Penick showing off all of his skills that make him a Heisman contender. Throws for a whopping 450 yards and five touchdowns. This time he goes back Touchdown. Penix has five. 
Yeah, 56-19, the final over Boise State. There were a lot of lopsided scores this weekend. Mm-hmm. Most. Now, I know there are a couple of really good games. We'll get to those. But watching the premier programs just beat the pants off of these schools that are not in the same league as them. Yep. I know you're supposed to be amazed afterwards at how good they, oh my gosh, look, they put up 60, 80, 100 points. Yep. Who cares? What a waste yep. of time. Yeah, it's kind of their preseason game. Stupid. Yeah, Oregon 81 on Portland State. What are you doing? I don't. I, I mean, like, I just I can't watch that stuff and be like, but, yeah. Yeah. But what Colorado did in beating TCU, what Florida, Florida State, State did, did last beating, night yep. uh, in beating LSU yesterday. And remember that Washington spread was only 14, 14 and a half, started 15 and a half, kind of creeped down a little bit. There were some thinking, well, Maybe this running QB, this Colin Kaepernick-like talent over there in Boise can run around and you know, kept it interesting for a quarter. And then Washington just looked like a group of pros. Mm-hmm. Roma Dunze, Jalen, uh, certainly Michael Penix, your two left tackle, your right tackle, your left. I mean, just they look like grown men. And they stepped on the accelerator and ran away from the Broncos. Dion's kid threw for 5'10". Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> what? We, we will get to that. 5'10"? Yes. That's my height. That's not on a good day. All right. That's everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour. One of Avery's friends uh, came over yesterday. Her dad came to pick her up. Dude, 6'9". Whoa. Yeah. Like the kicker at Montana State. Really? Montana State. Yeah, little Tommy Sullivan is snapping him back there, and the kicker is 6'9". I have never seen a kicker 6'5", let alone 6'9". This guy was a giant. Yes. I realized that at 6'9", you have to, like, be wary of door frames. Oh, yeah. Like, he legit came into my house, like, eyed the door frame as he was coming in. And you certainly didn't walk him to the basement. He would have got stuck. <laughs> I would not allow him into my basement. No, that's no. not. You're you're the tallest person allowed into my basement. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have, like, a height limit. You have must be this under this height to go into basement. 6'5 and under. Right, yeah. We that, have a little... that poor guy would have been stuck in your ceiling even this morning still. <laughs> yeah, not good. Hey, man, I'm sorry. You got to go. Like, we, we can't have you in here anymore. We're trying to. Oh, sign a waiver life. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right. Coming up, Brock, the yep. man who is torturing your soul, the man who is making you think about breaking all your rules, mm. the man who is dividing you in half and causing you angst. It's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Brock, this is going to hurt you. I I am curious to see if you end up breaking in the next 15 minutes. I know how challenging this person in particular is for you. But Deion Sanders, prime, coach prime, you got to give the guy his credit. What he did this weekend, going in and facing TCU, a team that, uh, what, was in the finals last year? By the way, I had zero memory of that. You wrote, like, Justin, you wrote, like, you remember which team was in the finals? It's like, nope. <laughs> no, nah, you erased it. It was like 92 to nothing right. with Georgia in the championship game. They beat Michigan in the semifinal. Right, I remember that now. Like 54, 45. Once and then, I was told, yeah. it uh-huh. came back to me. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Yep. But Colorado, one of the most pathetic programs in college football. One winning season years. since 05. Right. In the last 20 years, since like really the Gary Burnett era or Barnett era, right? They've been, they've been really, really lousy. Yep. And they, I mean, right there with Kansas and a couple of the just truly terrible programs. Uh, just, just awful. 
Yeah, Mike Matt, I wouldn't say quite that that awful, but close. Mike McIntyre, sure, remember they played they McIntyre. played in the championship right. game against UW one That's year. True. And, That's yeah. true. That was actually pretty Philip Lindsay and Yep. Yeah, yep. all right. You're it's but good they've point. been but, but they've they're been not a bad. great football no. school. Nope, they've been bad. And Dion made them the most interesting story of the week. And yeah. he whooped I mean, like kid threw for five hundred yards. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It didn't whoop them because it's still – defense. I, I paused. Yeah, I'm sorry. Defense is a little challenging uh, and will be over the course of the season. But shocked everyone. They were 20-point underdogs so going to TCU. Totally torn, Salk. So I'm in, I'm in my hotel room. We have a two, two, 230 kick. I'll give you a little background here. I'm down in Texas. And so I'm down the road in Austin. I'm, I'm not in Fort Worth, but in similar heat. I mean, it is so hot in Texas this time of year. And I'm getting ready, and because of all of the chaos of the home opener for the Longhorns, you know, Bevo's got to walk down the street. They they block off all these roads. My producer's like, I'd really like you to get there early. I was hoping to watch most of the first half. I got to watch the first quarter. And I'm like, this is fascinating because, like the Lumineers, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Anybody trying to tell you before this game, and even the great Joel Clyde himself, who had an enormous hand in the hiring of Deion Sanders, who was calling the game with Gus, even he before kick is like, hey, I have no idea what, what we're about to see, but it is going to be a show. There is no chance that that guy on the sidelines in his sunglasses, in his custom hoodie, with his armor men all around him, with the, with the whole lights in the scene and the sights all about Deion in primetime, is not going to put on a show. Impossible. And then, Salk, they come out, and it is, well, first of all, they get a stop, a three and out on defense. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And then they get the ball, and then it's boom, 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 right down the field, and a tremendous third down call for a touchdown, and score a touchdown, go 7-0, and just punch them right in the face. And the level of detail, the level of efficiency, uh, the functionability of a team with 90 new dudes on it was off the charts Blew Joel away, blew me away, blew anybody in football away. You're not supposed to be able to do that. This isn't, you know, when you think about bad programs and you brought them up, when you think about Kansas, Lance Leipold came in there, okay? And Lance Leipold, you don't know that name, nice guy, but he played, he was at Wisconsin Whitewater, national champion multiple times over. Went to Buffalo when they were awful. Turned them around, turned them into a bowl team. But he brought his whole staff, all of his people with him, Time on task, trust, right? They, the same coordinators, like they know each other. So it wasn't terribly shocking when in like year two, they turned Kansas for prime to do this. <laughs> Speaking of six, nine, this OC he hired, Sean Lewis is six foot eight. This guy is a, looks like Brent Stecker plus three inches, giant of a man. Dion had never worked with him, but it's like that dude's good. And he is been a great coordinator, head, head coach at Kent state says, I'll follow prime. Hires a D defensive back coach from Alabama. Prime never worked with him. And that dude had those guys able to line up and get enough stops and a couple critical takeaways, two big picks in the red zone. And they go down to TCU, and I'm not going to say shock the world. There have been bigger shockers, but 20-point underdogs with all that newness, unbelievable. So are you in? Because you, you, you were not in. You did not like a lot of the Dion stuff. You didn't like pack your bags or any of that stuff. And there, here's what, you, were, here's, you were pretty out on Dion. Here's the problem with me and Dion. All right, here's the problem. There's parts of him I love. What are they? Oh, he's a man of faith and conviction, and he wears that, and he's not, he doesn't, not bashful about putting JC on his sleeve. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm for that. 
But then he'll could turn around in the post game and just rip these reporters, you know, like, hold on a second, man. Like, <laughs> so they didn't know what you're going to do and they bet against you. Do you really have to like not answer their questions? Yeah, I, here I've, I've got some after of the game? What's up, boss? You believe that? You, you, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh no. Do you believe that? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. Down. I read through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? You don't believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. Is the reporter's job to believe after game one? No, but it's not Dion's job to care. Like, good for him. He's bringing more kids. His job is to be constantly be recruiting. And every time he does this, don't you think it helps? For real? Shador Sanders from my HBCU? Absolutely. The one that played at Jackson last year? The one that you asked me, why would I give him the starting job? But like that, that, No, not you. I got receipts. I know who they are. Not you, baby. I just got to say it. I would never do that. <laughs> that Dion, right? And on, on one level, I love him. He goes in the weight room, and if a kid's wearing the wrong color socks, you're out. He calls him out, like, out, out of my weight room. You know, there's a level of detail and organization and just – that, that, that I love. I mean, I'm sitting there, honestly, I'm totally torn. And oh, by the way, great for my company. Like Fox bet all right. in and went all in. And it was like an infomercial for days on Dion. And like they bet on him and bet on this game. And I don't, the numbers will come out You're today. Bet on anybody. Wouldn't you bet on Dion? I mean, I mean kind he's, of, he's but, done everything he's ever been supposed to do at any level. Ask him to play cornerback. He was unbelievable. Ask him to run back punts and kicks. He was the best that ever did it. Yep. Ask him to play, play a baseball wide receiver. He was phenomenal. Yes. Ask him to play professional baseball. He wasn't incredible, but he was a good player and certainly one of the better base runners in the league at that time. And if he had played it full time, I think he would have been mm-hmm. an all star and a really good player. Yep. Ask him to go on TV. He was tremendous and always entertaining whenever he was on TV. Ask him to coach at an HBCU and start there, no problem. He makes them, you know, a story after a couple mm-hmm. of years. And now go to Colorado, a Morbin program for decades. And yeah. what does he do? In one game, he has the entire college football world Correct. talking about him. You can't, you say whatever you want about Dion, but you cannot in nope. any way question the results. No. Nope. Because uh, obviously, behind some of the flash, uh-huh. there's some substance, not yes. just speed, yes. but substance. Yes. There has to be. Yeah. Other than his own school that he tried to start, that was not a great deal. And yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, that didn't yeah, work. That didn't work. We'll, we'll just flush that one yeah, away. We'll flash that. Take that one away, and you're right. There has been an incredible amount of substance. And you asked me last week when we got in or maybe two weeks ago about athletic directors and what do the best ones do? And I'll tell you, and, I, and I've been staunch about this as far as head coaches. And anytime there's head coaching hires, I'm like, okay, the head coach is a focal point and he's the CEO and it's a hard job. But the first judgment I make on him when I'm really judgy is what kind of staff? Who do you surround yourself with? You know, do you put a bunch of yes men around you? Do you put a bunch of people that just kind of cower in your presence? Do you put a bunch of people that won't challenge you? Or do you put people that are better than you in some of these areas to make you better? How would you say Dion did with that? A plus plus. And I would have said that, and I did say that in, in down at Big 12 Media Days. When I'm asked about him, I said, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't love 90 new players. I don't love the Louis Vuitton on day one. I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louis, and the rest of you, you know, can just leave and bolt and – you know, I don't love a lot of that, but his hires and hiring and getting guys, that's the key too. Sean Lewis was a sitting head coach 
right now it was in the Mac, but he's a sitting head coach and, and people take Mac jobs and then they go and get power five jobs. And he went, no, yeah. no, he was convinced enough that I'll go follow this Dion guy and I'll coordinate his son and all the speed that he's going to surround me with. And we'll put on a show and they're going to score a lot of points this year. They will. They got to stay healthy. They're pretty darn thin in spots, but they got to score a bunch. Well, and, and, and if they do, and if they win here, they'll get the defensive players next year because somebody's going to want to come play for that program and see the success yep. and see the attention and, and see everything else. Yes. What do you not like about Dion? Because you kind of gave me what you do like. What's on the flip side of that? What is it about Dion that bothers you? Well, I mean, you could say, hey, I know the address to the high road, but then you're just kind of calling people out, kind of petty on things. And, you know, he has that kind of that kind of ego. Right. It was as a baseball player, he humiliated, you know, who, who was the color guy that you didn't like for all those years. And I get it. He was not Joe Morgan. No, it wasn't Joe Morgan. It was the oh, uh, Tim McCarver. There you go. Right. Like dumped water on him in the presser afterwards. Like, OK, you know, don't tell me, you know, the address to the high road and then just totally dump on people. Don't love some of the history and some of the places of burning some of the bridges. You know, don't love how he makes it about him. But understanding there is, as you said, substance behind it to actually empower the kids. His pregame speech was unbelievable, man. I'm still a sucker for those, you know, like and obviously, obviously he shut a ton of people up because he showed you there is way more substance as a football dude to go down there and do what they did. And to get guys to play the way they did. Yeah, so I, if you don't know the name Travis Hunter yet, but you will. You saw it in the headlines this weekend. Travis Hunter was the number one recruit in 21. Followed Dion with some cash to Jackson State. And uh, became an All-American, awesome HBCU. He played 120 snaps in 100 or whatever, yeah, hundred degree heat in Fort Worth. People were comparing it to Charles Woodson. Uh, flush that thought. Charles Woodson was a guy that played DB full-time, and then he was a gimmick guy on offense, and, and he certainly ran plays in an era where everything huddled, where you could slow mm. down. The, both these teams played mock speed. There was no time for rest. He's playing 60, 70 plays of DB up and down the field, and then he's going and playing in wide receiver up and down the field with no rest. I, I mean, cardiovascularly and... <laughs> conditioning it's hard to fathom never seen anything like it i have never in my lifetime seen anything like that it took the endurance of a 10k with the athleticism of a world-class 100 meter runner it's kind of awesome it was ridiculous kind of awesome it man. was like there's a lot about this story that's great paul feinbaum uh had some thoughts yesterday travis Etienne, he's uh, his brother plays for for play napier in florida yeah. he said hey bro maybe you ought to consider prime I mean, that's the kind of thing that can create an epidemic. I mean, when, when you got an, a big-time player like that tweeting his brother as opposed to texting him, uh, I mean, that, 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 that sets off alarm bells. Well, yeah, I would think so. Like, people are going to be intrigued. The same way Oregon kind of caught everybody's attention yep. a while yep. ago with the uniforms and then the style of yep. offense. Yes. There's no reason Dion can't capture the popular imagination okay. of a lot of young kids. Yes. Not all of them. There can be a lot of people turned off by it. That's fine. Yep. He doesn't care. Nope. I don't know. I see the whole thing sort of like a movie a little bit. Like, you know, like <laughs> yes. the, the guy who comes in is like the, the new teacher at the bad school and he's, you know, got some different views, right? Whether it's uh, whether Coach it's Carter. Lean, lean on me or Coach Carter or what's the one with Michelle Pfeiffer? Um, dangerous mind. Thank dangerous you. Dangerous mind. mind. Like the same thing where you come in and like he's he he to me has got a little bit of the lean on me character, right? Where he just kind of comes in and is like, yep. yeah, I don't care what you think. 
I don't care if you don't like my methods. This yep. thing is a disaster and needs a full-on, completely different approach than anything we've ever had. Here's my last question for you on Dion. Yeah. How many years before he's the head coach? Right. Right. At Florida State. Or yes. all, like, I mean, yes. like, you're not going to stay at Colorado, right? Well, it helps they go to the Big 12 because he will get down in Texas where so many of his roots are. And did he play a role in that? And was that part of the conversation when he was hired? I think it probably was. So, yeah, I, I think that is a fair question. But if you're CU, you don't care a lick. The millions are coming in. The exposure's off the chart. As Tyler Columbus, former Buffalo, said, is, is Patrick Mahomes tweeting about Colorado? Is Drake tweeting about Colorado? Is it, am I living in the real world? Is CU football the center of attention on opening weekend in college football? It is. And oh, by the way, those unis are pretty tight now. <laughs> okay? That black and gold, there, there's a little something about, once again, as you talk about Oregon and kind of capturing the imagination of young people, like the, 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 just the whole product, the whole story, the whole show. But he, more than anything, prove that there was a little more football substance behind yeah. it to go down there and set records and beat TCU in their own building. Pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty fun. It'll be an interesting story to follow, certainly, this year. Right now, it's time for a little Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Seahawks are going to play Brock on Sunday against the Rams right here in Seattle. How about that? Looks like Jordan Brooks is going to be able to return for this game. By all accounts, he'll be uh, playing linebacker Mm -hmm. when they take the field. Rams a good matchup for him to do that? Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes in the fact that his skill set when he's totally, completely healthy, it's a home run. His ability to move, to diagnose, to read and react, to move laterally. Right, all the things where he is a dynamic, dynamic athlete, that is what you need against a run, play action, movement scheme like Sean McVay has is, is always done and always had. Now, can you do that? And is he 100%? Like, you, you know, this is not one, and, and you've talked about this with, with other guys and other injuries and setbacks. Like, you don't just run him back. You don't bring Jared Kelnick back because he's hot right now. Like, you make sure he gets his legs underneath him. You do not want him to come back, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, another little setback, and we start all over, a.k.a. Dylan Moore earlier in the year, right? So you you want to make sure that, hey, man, as best we can, we've got to see how close you can ramp this to 100. But can I get 20 snaps out of Jordan Brooks? Right? If he passes and clears all these tests, and that's what he has done, and that's why, unlike Jamal, who's off pup but not doing team, I mean, Jordan is in team. No brace, no wrap, no, no anything going full speed and if he continues to do that man if he can give you 20 25 snaps on sunday next to bobby wagner maybe early down run stuff first and second down run i like the looks and the sounds of that there's going to be some collisions with those two all right question number two well, we certainly talked through the Colorado story with Dion and, and what they accomplished this weekend elsewhere in college football what jumped out what were the best stories of the weekend there's 10 power, 10 conferences. There's five power, five conferences in college football, 10 overall. There is no question there are two that are at the very top. And after LSU lost last night, I think there is a strong case. There's Alabama and Georgia, 
and then the rest of the SEC. There is a strong case to be made that after the opening week in a in a power rankings of the ten, the best conference in America is the Pac-12. <laughs> one can't, of them you will can't con- write that. One of them will continue to flourish. One of them will continue to be at the top of the food chain. That, of course, the SEC. One will disappear from existence in January. I mean, think about that. Huh? You're thirteen and zero. SC one in week zero beat San Jose State. The other twelve went twelve and zero. It went down on the road in a couple places like TCU and San Jose State, who's not awful, and went on the road. The others hammered and hammered, you know, the people they're supposed to hammer. 13-0. 13-0 to begin this college football season. And in January, the conference will no longer exist. It's it's borderline absurd. How many real teams did they play? Well, Washington played a real team. I mean, Wazoo had to go on the road against Mountain West School, Colorado State, and blew their doors off. And Cam Ward was phenomenal. Oregon didn't play anybody. Stanford played Hawaii. Stanford's supposed to be 0-12 awful, beat Hawaii by a couple touchdowns. Cal put 50 points on the board. Doesn't matter who you play. I mean, UCLA beat uh, uh, Coastal Carolina, who's been one of the best teams in the Sun Belt and a double-digit win team. And Grayson McCall is a four-year starter. Like, yeah. Like, it, it wasn't all one double A schools. Uh, but when I hear you beat Coastal Carolina and and Colorado State, I got to tell you, that doesn't, like, get me excited. To, to... But you beat Boise State. You beat TCU. I mean, who did the who did the SEC beat in their head-to-head yeah, show? Yeah, they do the same thing. Yeah. That's yep. why you just don't really make a lot of judgments after week one. But you do have to – but the other conferences like Purdue and Northwestern and those teams that lose mm. to those lower-level schools and the ACC whose teams lose to those lower-level schools – yeah, you're not at that level. It was in the QB play in this conference. Said it going into this season. This is the deepest, best QB overall in the history of the conference. And they proved it week number one. <laughs> Long live the Pac-12. All right, question number three. You know, we haven't really even talked enough about is Geno Smith. It's yep. so funny considering, you know, the amount of time you and I spend talking quarterbacks, but this offseason, I feel like we haven't even spoken enough about Geno. He signed his deal in the offseason. As you look at it today, how good a deal is it for the Seahawks? Uh, it's a home run. It was a, it was, it's actually a grand, it's a grand slam. It was a home run when he signed it last March when the details came out, not the initial report of whatever it was, 50 million and oh my gosh, they're tied to him now for years and years and years remember it's a it's a year by year deal it's a bet on yourself year by year deal where his numbers have to escalate for him to make more money and the seahawks can if they want to get out of it after year one without without an for a starting quarterback of his caliber without an immense amount of dead money on it so it's a year-to-year deal and then look around college football salt the reason why you never you never reach and this is a a funny little parallel, Steve Sarkeesian was saying about an old head way back when, when he got a head coaching job, he said to him, he said, now listen, Steve, never reach in recruiting. Never, ever reach in recruiting. Because while, you know, that player that you you may reach on turns into a star, you have to deal with him one day a year. If he doesn't, and he's a bum, you got to deal with him 365 days a year. So don't you ever reach. Now, if you're sold, you go for it. And clearly, you know, I think last year the Seahawks were not sold on that QB class. Probably because they had an eye to 2024. And if 2023 had three dudes in the top five, 2024 will as well. But beyond that, the next guy is not going to be Will Levis. This is going to be an absolutely loaded, crazy 24 draft class when it comes to quarterbacks. 
You saw one of them last night in Jordan Travis. You saw Drake May. You saw Caleb Williams. I mean, all over the country, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. This is going to be as deep. I'm talking 10 deep, and we'll see it sort out, and certainly guys will level off over the course of the season. But we're going to be talking about this college football season, 10 dudes. 10 dudes that have a legitimate shot to play in the NFL. That hasn't happened in some time. That is uh, three good football questions for Brock, and we call it Blue 88. We do it every. Is Jackson Dart one of those guys? Jackson Dart down there at Ole Miss. Yeah, is he one of those 10? He's a talented dude, man. Is he? He's got a great name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had him game one when he came in at Wazoo, and he was the first to put that little um, eye black down, like the center of his eyebrow, like oh. down his face, like some Star Wars character. Interesting. Oh, that's, yeah. That's one way to do it. Yeah. All right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Tore his MCL, played through it. Now, he's so let a, me ask you this. If, yeah. if, if, with all those, you know, call it 10 quarterbacks. Yep. If you could have one, and it's not going to be, you know. Caleb? It can't be him because you're not going to get the number one pick. So let's assume the Seahawks kind of are roughly akin to what they were last year. And you have the number 20-ish pick. Mm -hmm. And you get a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Who do you want? Who's a good fit for them? Oh, my gosh. That might be available in that. Like, give me the first name that comes to your mind today. I'm not going to hold you to this, but like, hey, I know it's a long season and people move up and down and everything else. We'll see where the Seahawks even end up. Or maybe they don't even want a quarterback. If they're taking a quarterback at number 20 next year, who is it? Like this J.J. McCarthy kid. It's a great example of Michigan. Dude can run. Dude can throw it. He dude can throw. Is, I saw him throw a little bit. Dude he has elevated hard. Michigan. Lots of talented guys ahead of him at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. Never found his quarterback. Jim Harbaugh, you know, never find a quarterback. Pete Carroll, Seattle, 79, 79. Find Russell Wilson. Become legit. Jim Harbaugh, year after year after year after year. All the other pieces are there. Never had a quarterback until J.J. McCarthy, and all of a sudden they win and beat Ohio State twice with him and get to you know the the, the college playoff you know, playoff semifinal. So he, he'd be a name. Michael Penix is going to be a name. Bo Nix is going to be a name. Drake May, Caleb Williams, right now at the top of the food chain. Right. Jordan than, Travis at Florida name, State. Other than those two, yep. Which one of those guys do you want? Yeah, that would be right now a, a, because of what he's done to elevate that program. That Michigan. matters to me. J.J. Yeah, J. J. McCarthy? McCarthy. All yes. right, I'm going to be following him now. I'm going to hold you to this now for the rest of the year. It's J.J. McCarthy or oh, bust. Thanks. You Everything just said you're not going to hold me to this I know I lied about that. I'm absolutely going to hold you to it. Yeah, it's going to be J.J. McCarthy or bust now for the rest of the year. First, I got to watch him play. I got to see who he's about, you know, who okay. he is, and then, uh, you know, hold you to How this. How about Shadour Sanders? Can you imagine? Dude, I mean, wouldn't Pete, wouldn't Pete love that? Uh, yeah. And he I mean, loved Jordan that be Travis perfect, down at Florida State. Yes. Perfect fit for Pete Carroll. Yes. I could absolutely see something like that. That would be a riot around here. I'll tell you that much. All right. Uh, I'll tell you, the team that's most likely to get your guy out of USC is the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to address them coming up in a half hour because it sure seems like whoever is going to be coaching the number one overall pick for the Cardinals this year or next year is not going to be the guy who's coaching them right now uh some sound that i've yet to listen to but i'm told i'm gonna love we'll do that coming up at 8 30 up next though brock the mariners and their shakespearean question it's next on brock and sulk